this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at patreon.com forward slash dig me out. This comes directly from our patrons, Jay. This is a patron-selected episode. They gave us a chance. Well, they didn't give us a chance. They gave us their uh, their votes in the March poll based on nine. Is it nine or eight selections? It's usually eight. Eight. That's right. Center Square goes to Dig Me Out Dig logo. Me out. Yep. There were eight options from March. They voted on them. It was very close. Ultimately, the winner of that was the residents are finest flowers their 1992 album coming in second jay who was there there was a tie yeah so we almost had a three-way tie verve a storm in heaven and unwound repetition both had seven votes yeah so if you end up hitting this review you could have voted for one of those two records and had us do that one instead but this was a heavy hitter poll because you had the verve you had Creeper Lagoon's yeah. I Become Small and Go, which I think Creeper Lagoon is a, a band that people know. It had Incubus, yeah. their album Science. And then it had some that are, I think are known within our Patreon community and our, our, our Dig Me Out community. Menthol, that's a band that's come up. Silver yeah. Jet, I remember you You have that album, don't you? I do, yeah. Uh, Unwound is a band name I've heard of. Really the only one I didn't know was Three and their album Paint by Number. Yeah, me neither. So... The winner ended up being the residents, and like all of our polls, they got almost no comments. <laughs> well, Gary Miron left one, who is the one who is the person who suggested the record. What did he say? He said, rather than release a greatest hits album to commer- com- commemorate twenty years, so this is a little mind blowing. I, d- I didn't realize this band had been around twenty years by the time this record came out in nineteen ninety three. Yep. Let that sink in for a second. The residents opted to take bits and pieces of songs scanning their career and using them to create a collection of new songs. Uh, it is a surprising, surprisingly listenable for a residents album. Hmm, that kind of sets up what you're getting into here. And is a great entry point for someone looking for a place to dive into their bizarre, prolific, and mysterious catalog. Plus, with the recent passing of Hardy Fox on 10 18 Revealed to be the co-founder and primary composer of the residents, there is no better time to take a li- to take a listen to one of the greatest m- musical art collective groups in American history. Musical art collective groups. Yeah, we'll get into that in a second. How many more are the, of those are there? Uh, good question. Ian Wobble said, "One vote for the residents from me." I believe. He might be the only person that listed their vote as being for the residents. Johnny Hooper went with the Verve. John Seaman went with, um, I think, Creeper Lagoon. James Stelter said, may get my vote as well. Uh, Whitney Bueller went with Unwound. Darren Leach went with the Verve. Keith Sawyer went with 
Well, we don't know, but he said Unwound is probably the worthiest of this group. Terry McCook said Incubus and Mike Bond went with the Verve. So we know who, who voted for the Verve. If we had, if, he, if the Verve had won, we had plenty of comments to discuss, but unfortunately, <laughs> it didn't win. Yep. So we just put up, uh, well, by the time this episode airs, it probably would be done. So never mind. It's because our, our April poll is up, but uh, this will be up next Tuesday, so never mind. Uh, so, Jay, yeah, this album came out in 1992. It was released on, uh, well, they had their own label. So there's no, like, what label did it come out on? I think it was called Ralph Records was the name of their. And like you said, it's a, it was their 20th anniversary. So what they did was they took bits and pieces of songs from throughout their career and combined them into new songs. So, like, the first song on the album, Gone Again, is actually a combination of three different songs called Nobody Laughs When They Leave, Walrus Hunt, and Loss of Innocence. Huh. So it's kind of like uh, Van Halen's A Different Kind of Truth. Sort of. It's it's like a mashup <laughs> album, but you're mashing up yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was their 20th anniversary. Overall, Jay, they have released somewhere in the range of 60 albums. Um, wow. They have done, I think, another 15 live albums. They've done probably about 20 compilations of various works and then singles and EPs are in another 20 and then they've done a massive number of DVDs and then when CD-ROMs were around they were actually very early on into CD-ROMs doing art uh, music visual uh, visual music mashups on on CD-ROMs to go along with their albums they were releasing Uh, the band is famously anonymous they play with a giant eyeball on their head right that's probably how i was even aware of them was more about the image thing and if you've seen their, you might have seen their first album because it's kind of famous um that came out in 1974 it was called meet the residents and it's a riff on meet the beatles so it has that album cover except it says Meet the Residents, the first album by North Louisiana's phenomenal pop combo, and it like distorts the the faces of all the Beatles. Um, so they they're clearly into a wide range of artistic avant garde experimental multimedia expression, and right. when you when you look at what artists they're similar to, you get into stuff like Captain Beefheart and Sun Ra and Yoko Ono. You know, Talking Heads, Devo, those sorts of artists. So had you listened to any... I I knew the name, and I knew that they were like kind of this wild artistic, you know, force, but I never listened to any of the music. Had you ever listened to any of it? No, I I was familiar... Like I said, I was familiar with the name. Um, I I knew the image and the kind of costumes. And um, Josh Freeze is uh, the drummer. I follow on twitter for some reason and he was uh he was the drummer in this band i think at some point so i became aware of them more recently because i think he was touring with them um but that's about it yeah it seems like uh there's been a, a primary force in the band or a couple of members or a member um gary mentioned the passing of hardy fox last year 
but then it seems like there have been other people who have been in the band. I think Les Claypool has rumored to be in the band at one point and some other folks. So I, I, but they keep their, it's all anonymous so they can do whatever they want, essentially aside away from, you know, I think in some cases it's people who have deals with record labels. So in order to even participate, they can't really reveal their name or else there's a, you know, a clash of rights issues with regards to making music and, and that kind of stuff. So that's, I think part of the reason why later on, uh, so in, especially into the nineties that came up. So I had, I had never really listened to any of it as well. I, I knew the eyeball disguise just cause I, I think that that's sort of iconic. I didn't really, I didn't realize that it was connected to them specifically, but, uh, just knew the image. Yeah. So Good look, yeah, it is. It's very cool. I wouldn't be surprised. That's probably got to be in the rock hall. I would imagine if it's not already, it probably should be based on the putting out 60 records. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they'll do an exhibit uh, if they haven't already of, uh, art collective rock. Right. <laughs> and they'll make it in the exhibit. So let's get into the record. Let's do it. Tell me one thing you liked about our finest flowers by the residents. Well, it certainly sets a mood. Um, it's takes you somewhere. It pulls you in. Um, there's no doubt about it, not just from the sounds, but also the production of the record. It's, it's odd in that. And I sampled some of their other stuff. I mean, I couldn't get all through 60 through all 60 records, but, Oh, you didn't. Oh, um, okay. They, yeah, I know what's wrong with me. Um, and they, I think they seem to do it on a lot of their stuff where it's, um, everything's distant sounding. Like the drums are always distant. Um, some of the strings will, or the, the keyboards will cut um, through the mix. The vocal is always distant and affected with a kind of a digital reverb for this record, at least. Um, so it gives this huge like space feeling, yet everything is a little bit quiet and muted. On some, um, so it's a really strange sound. Um, I don't know that I've ever heard a record that really sounds like this consistently through the whole thing. There's never really any like loud drums or loud guitars mm-hmm. or loud bass or, you know, the vocal will crack through. And then other than that, it's usually like some kind of keyboard sound that's the loudest. It definitely helps create a mood and ambience, uh, an atmosphere. It pulls you into the, the tracks. So it, it's more like a movie soundtrack to me. Um, and then obviously you're, once you're pulled into that, you're listening for, you know, the characters and the lyrics and it's more of a story kind of atmosphere they're creating that you're, you're, uh, being engaged in. So from that standpoint, it, you know, I, I, I kind of get the concept. Um, it's definitely unique. I hear some other bands in there we can get it to later, but it's, it's pretty distinct in terms of the approach. I think this could be a, uh, you know, one of those bands you could reference, and everybody would know what you meant by it um, if they had heard them. So uh, unique, atmospheric, and really narrative, cinematic almost. I think those are the things that really pop forward in terms of what I liked. Like the smell of a good, almost weltering song. 
Yeah, in terms of what I liked about the record, it was the music. It reminded me of a lot of different artists, even though it's fairly, I don't say simple, the way that it's composed, there's, there's, most of the songs don't have a lot of variation. They're driven by a percussion piece and some sort of like organ or, or keyboard or something like that. And, you know, we're dealing with an odd record because these, those might've been from two different songs originally, and then they were put together. But listening to it reminded me of a lot of strange 70s and especially like late 70s, either like post-punk or industrial. Thinking of like Throbbing Gristle was a band that I heard in Cabaret Voltaire um, years ago. And then some of it reminded me of the more like ambient instrumental stuff like Cluster, which was a, a group that collaborated with Brian Eno on ambient music and I listen to uh, quite often when I'm working because it's instrumental Um, but just like driving these sort of hypnotic drum and and keyboard lines and then throwing in some like weird dissonant stuff like on two of the songs it sounds like someone is turning on a blowtorch Uh, It's the first track, and then I think it's, what is it, track 11 maybe? 10 or 11? But you know what I'm talking about? There's like this sounds like... (laughs) Sounds like white noise, but it it almost sounds like a a torch is being turned on. Yep. Steam releasing. Yeah. Or uh, or, um, it's like a whole... I really dug that in the context that they use it because it, you have these things that are sort of moving along at a very hypnotic, steady pace, and then you get hit with this wall of noise that is completely unexpected. And they manage to use it in ways that are, I, I don't like, serve the song. It's not just there to be like annoying or, in, to my ears, it, it works within the context of, of what they're doing and creating in a lot of very dark, and and eerie music that reminded me of like you know late period scott walker or um tom waits or even like some john carpenter soundtrack stuff just had this like eerie pulse that i dug I like the mood that the the album set and the 
interesting oddness, I guess I'd say, of of a lot of the the choices that are made in in mashing yeah. these pieces together. Yeah, it's a very it's very hard to talk about these in terms of like songs, knowing that they're not really they weren't originally songs. They were it's an art project essentially to create new songs out of old songs, <laughs> which is very odd. Right, and and I heard um. I heard a lot of Roger Waters on this um, vocally, th- some of the spoken delivery, even some of the tone of it felt a lot like the wall um, and some of his work on the wall. Hmm. Uh, one of the hits I had was the um, one of the songs I remarked sounded like or, and parts of this record sound like, you know, the character he does on the song, the wall, or I think that's him. Um, that voice that comes over and says, you can't have any pudding if you don't eat your meat. Right, right. <laughs> I'm like, this is like if that guy had a solo record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so and there was a, I mean, I, I guess they must be putting the accent on them if they're American. I don't know, but the. Yeah, they're from Louisiana. The, the vocal has, I mean, he does characters. So it goes from. Uh, sounding fairly straightforward American to British sometimes to like, you know, hillbilly Southern accent, like character caricature. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I kept thinking of Roger Waters when I was listening to this. I mean, he he doesn't ever get quite this strange, but just right. That weird eerie quirkiness that he brings to Pink Floyd. Um, I can very much hear on this, this particular record. Was he in the original, like early Pink Floyd with Sid Barrett? Oh yeah. Yep. I mean, that stuff is weird. Yeah, yeah. That's well, I mean, you know, far the closer wall's to this. Pretty, pretty weird, too. I mean, but. Right, right. He, and he's the one that I think one of the, you know, makers of the weird in <laughs> Pink Floyd. Jay, can I admit um, something, though? What? I've never listened to The Wall or Dark Side oh, of the Moon geez. all the way through. Oh, Tim. <laughs> well, I don't think Dark Side of the Moon is this weird. But the Wall is definitely. I mean, it's a double record, so there's a lot of, and it's more of a concept record. So I should probably have my my rock reviewer license suspended for a period of time for not listening to the wall. Uh, you can't have any pudding if you don't eat the wall. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna have to accept the wall and and give it a chance because that's uh, it seems like an oversight on my part. And I definitely heard um, I'm dreaming of a white sailor. There's a lot of, to me, a, le- a lot of Les Claypool and Primus yes, in that. I have that written too, yeah. So I don't know, would he have, could he have been in the band at this time? Or was he influenced by them? I, I mean, this would have been very them. early in Primus's career, 1992, so it's entirely possible. And he was in a band before Primus. I forgot what it was called, but yeah, it's entirely possible that it could be him or it just be influenced or just completely you know, randomly sounds like him on that. Yep. I went to see the silent sailor and the sailor said, Lord, forgive my face, my friend, for if you do, I'm dead. Well, I don't see how that could be. I said to him as well as feeling off a piece of paper stuck to my lapel. The sailor fell upon his knees, then he fell beside the secret chest that he had carved. Well, this was curious, I thought, so I wandered in and saw that there was something written on his wrinkled skin. 
what didn't work for you on this record? Well, I mean, this is this is like being. I guess the one way I would think about it would be you want to go to an amusement park or somewhere where they have like a creepy ride that you can get on mm-hmm. <laughs> and you go and do that and it lasts maybe, you know, 10, 15 minutes and then you're good. It'd be like that if you're on that for an hour. <laughs> you're just like, okay, this was, this was fun for five or 10 minutes. Now I'm 30 minutes in and I'm starting to get wigged out by this. And then I'm 45 minutes in and it's like, okay, wrap it up. Um, so it's a lot. It's very odd. It's a lot to take in. It's not incredibly musical all the time. Um, it's so atmospheric that, um, you know, it's it's not something where you're going to have a ton of melody. Um, right. I, I guess it's more ambient. You know, if you're in, the, I know you are in the ambient, so it's probably an easier listen for you. Boy, when the female uh, singers come in, there's two tracks where they come in. Yeah. Boy, boy is that a nice treat <laughs> like i could listen to a whole record of that um it's such a weird contrast that it makes it sound so cool that yeah. it, it really because they're at the end of the record it makes mm-hmm. you re reassess the beginning of the record then you're like well wait a minute <laughs> why are these on the end of the record yeah but i, I like sh- i like ship of fools in that yeah. uh it uses uh, it it uses the ambience like well it builds and then they bring in that female singer to kind of end the song and and take it out and to me that I don't know I feel more comfortable there like I understand that and that takes me on a journey. I think that's the other thing with some of these songs like I can get on board with it pull you know it pulling you in and being more of an artistic statement or you know story, but some of them I I don't they don't really go anywhere and I and I right would love if they went somewhere. Um, yeah. They're, they're kind of little monologues that don't really amount to, at least I didn't understand if there was a concept here or um, or where some of these songs were going. They just seemed like um, little notions of ideas or moods and uh, not necessarily stories. So um, I think that's where the one of the disconnects came because I, I came in a feeling like I was being pulled into a story and then a story never happened. Or if it did, I, I wasn't able to make out the lyrics enough to understand what it was. Right. I mean, part of their deal was deconstructing pop music. So yeah. it makes sense that so many of these songs are not in any way structured like pop songs with regards to having a verse and a chorus and a verse and a chorus. There's actually very few on this on the record where they have repeating melodies or even repeating lines not that those songs don't work but i definitely liked the songs like a song like deadwood which has an actual like verse chorus structure to it that you can lock on to it's also one of the longer strong songs on the record um 44 no more that's another one where it has a structure to it that you can figure out after listening to it once or twice that sounds sort of like a song that you would you know be able to recognize yeah 44 no more is um that that is one where to the weird intro aside um with the like random guitar hits or whatever that is um yeah it's actually just a blues song i think when you strip it down and just listen to what the vocal's doing and the core idea of the song but they the way they present it it's uh it's it's them right it's that odd thing 
But um, that's probably that and Ship of Fools are probably the two songs that I gravitated to the most. And mostly that's, I'm assuming, uh, because those two have the most uh, understandable song structure and melodic, melodic uh, idea. Yeah, I didn't love. I don't know who's singing, but I didn't always love the 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 speaking singing as far as like just sort of verbalizing part. Like the sour song is a good example. It has some cool like vocal with counters, and then it does this like spoken sung part that like takes me out of the song because then I'm trying to lock into what he's saying and I'm not listening to the rest of the music yeah. and i really just i kind of want it to be more music driven than vocal driven and luckily on a lot of the songs it is a lot of these remind me of like what i would imagine like joy division demos sounding like mm. there even like the first track gone again has this very like gothic kind of sound that kind of could have had a joy division feel to it yeah, I could also hear some of these songs being like segue music for Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> like when the lights go down and uh, like bringing a weird character on stage and like moving stuff around. Um, <laughs> Set change music. Yeah. Uh, a lot of accordion. Weird instruments. I mean, this is not a rock record. This might be the most unrock record we've ever reviewed. I don't know that there's anything about this that is really other than being rebellious and weird um it's mostly keyboards and samples or drum machines um there's maybe one guitar riff on the record it's a lot of accordion synth pads different kinds of chimes and strings yeah string stabs yeah um so yeah it's not uh in any way a uh, any kind of rock format no in terms of you know i was thinking about like the fall record that we did like this almost this sounds in some way some way reminds me of that record but that record yeah. had way more energy to a number of the songs yeah and it, it sounded like a band in some ways whereas this is so stripped down it, it's almost in the vein of like, like a band like Suicide from the New York City like no wave band from the seventies, where it's just a drum machine and like a little bit of like minimalistic keyboard. Like some of the keyboard parts are just two notes, I just know. sort of like back and forth, and they <laughs> might o- throw some sort of like string on top of that. 
Yeah. But it is bare bones in terms of what's going on, which again, I get it. That's the premise of the band or de- deconstructing pop music. So you're not going to write, you know, ELO <laughs> or, or, you know, queen. <laughs> I got to tell you though, the very end of perfect goat. Yeah. Uh, sounds like Tusk by Fleetwood Mac. Oh, wow. <laughs> it comes in with like that big like horn sound. I don't know what it is. Some kind of keyboard patch. There's like a marching band kind of feel. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh boy, we're going to get into like some Fleetwood Mac territory here. Oh my God. And then it ends. It lasts like 10 seconds and then it's gone. That would be awesome if they confirmed that. Yeah, they were totally influenced by Fleetwood Mac on that track. The other uh, reference I had for this was um, the, the one movie that came to mind was um, on the song Baby Sister. I don't know if I'm up, I'm obsessed with the movie The Burbs with Tom Hanks. Yes, you are. <laughs> and whenever they show the Klopax, the creepy neighbors next door, uh, there's, you know, serial murders. Mm-hmm. They use like this eerie organ music. And that song sounds exactly like that music. <laughs> In fact, it made me want like more organ. I was like, man, I could just listen to like an ambient organ album, which is like old school creepy organ. <laughs> Be down with that. I will put that together for you, Jay. <laughs> I'll I'll write some me some creepy organ music. Oh my god. Um so let's talk about you know 1992. This album comes out, and uh, what's radio looking? No. <laughs> Why wasn't this a big hit? I mean, you know, it's never mind. It's Ten by Pearl Jam. <laughs> hey. I mean, what's wrong with this? Uh, no, we're not even going to go there. Were the album better EP, decent single? Where do you land? Well, I haven't done this in a while. I have to go with a decent single. I think this is a a band that is very interesting. There's actually a documentary out by them that I'm um, out on Vimeo that I want to watch. I think the story and the concept altogether is probably much more compelling than an individual album. Yeah. Um, I basically got the gist of the of the band with with one or two songs. Um, I don't know that listening to you know, 50 minutes of, of the band really gave me anything more than one or two songs did. Um, so I'm at a single. I could do an A-side with 44 more, No More and a B-side of Ship of Fools. I would probably be at an, like a four-song EP. I like Deadwood. I like 40 More No More. I like Ship of Fools. And I like I like the opener, Gone Again. I think, that, I think th- those four songs would make a cool little weird ep that i would be uh i would be okay with so that's four songs for me so we need to thank who was it gary moran who suggested this that's right thank you gary thanks gary we would have never ever checked out the residents and now i get to and who would have guessed that this would i mean now that i've heard the record that this would have won the poll i know i still don't know i don't understand how it happened I think Man, Gary I has multiple accounts, and he he voted for it several times. <laughs> the Dig Me Out Union surprises me every every time. I thought we were going to head down the road of like the most popular record would always win, right? 
Um, that is not happening. It's just it's random. Because we did the built to spill, and we were like, oh, that's a pretty well known yep. record, and yeah, it's not been happening. Speaking of Patreon, Jay, we need to thank our latest patron, Eric. I'm going to butcher your last name. Petched? Pesh? You join us at the $2 level. Thanks for joining us, Eric, and thanks for joining our union. Uh, next month, there'll be a sticker heading out to you. Yes, I got the t-shirts for those in the t-shirt tiers. Boom. You can get this packed up this week and get them shipped out. They look pretty good. Coolio. I got to get mine. My wife was eyeballing them. Oh, was she? Mm-hmm. You tell her, you know, she can pledge. She can, <laughs> right, she, I know. She can join the union. No, she's going to have to do the mailing some, maybe. Oh. <laughs> and some of these are going to Australia and uh, Great Britain. and got to fill out that customs paperwork. Yep. Good times. Hey, I want to remind everyone... Patreon.com forward slash dig me out is the place to go to join our union. Vote in the polls, t-shirts, stickers, cool stuff like that. And if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. Now would be a good time to join because very soon our second 80s episode is about to launch. Find out what it is by joining us at Patreon. Join one of the Tears of the 80s episodes. You get to recommend and vote. So the odds are pretty good that one of your 80s records will get picked. That's right. So for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash digmeout and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com. And three, two, one. Jay, this week we're back again with another episode. Thanks Where'd to you our... go? what? <laughs> you I you just said three, two, one and you disappeared. I, I had to pause for a second. I had something in my mouth. Oh. <laughs> I had like a little like leftover <laughs> piece of food and I was like trying to get it out of there. Let me oh, do that again. Okay. I thought you I thought you died. No. You ever do that? You like you get like a you, you feel something like something was tucked behind a tooth or in between and like pops out and you're like, oh, I got to I got to no, get some get some water. I got it. I got I got some liquid here. Three, two, one.